playthrough of Alan Wake and uh, today I have with me the special guest Sophie Halliday. What's up? Nothing much just uh, getting this uh, this last two episodes done here and then we'll have two more to go. So um, the last we left off we were actually running into a trap if we remember correctly. Um, Rose who works at the diner, uh, called uh, Barry and told him that, hey, I have some of the manuscript pages um, if you guys want to come pick them up. But then it's revealed that she's actually being controlled by the the woman in black and the funeral get up. And uh, we will learn who that person is very soon. Um, she's obviously has something to do with the darkness that is taking people. Uh, so yeah, um, we go to the, um, to the trailer park where she lives. Um, we're shown around by, uh, the, I guess the landlord. I don't know what you would call that. I I, I guess it'd be a landlord. Um, and, uh, we go to get the manuscript pages. Um, when we arrive, she's acting kind of strange, but she offers us some, some fine coffee. Tastes really good. I mean... This was immediately like a, a totally obvious situation where the coffee is probably not going to be legit coffee, right? Did you right. did you get that straight away? Like, just like this is so obvious. This is obvious for this game. Like, my thing is, and I will mention it now, is that Alan, both Alan and Barry, have been put in compromising situations. But nothing ever comes of it. Mm. So the coffee is obviously uh, laced with something, some kind of a, a roofie, if you will, that uh, knocks both Barry and Alan out. Alan comes too, and it's now nighttime. Uh, Rose is sitting in a corner in like the fetal position. Uh, Barry is slowly coming awake, but he's not fully awake. And I'm just thinking, what was the point of this? What was I the feel point sorry for Rose. Out? Yeah, I do too. Like, <laughs> poor Rose. She just is a fan of Alan Wake, uh, her bae, and she finally gets to meet him. And all of a sudden, she's being taken over by this crazy, like, evil woman. And, you know, she's being solicited into this kind of nefarious situation she's drugging people in her house and where did it all go wrong for rose hey i I, don't know i don't know wrong place wrong time perhaps yeah at the same time i'm just like i i actually sat back and thought i was like what was the point of this why did we not it was yeah why did we knock alan and barry out and just leave them there and then it was a bit contrived wasn't it it was kind of like you say what was the point of when i'm when i say this was a bit obvious like i meant i to, to the point, up until this happened, I felt like the game and the story and the narrative was way too clever for what started off this episode, if that makes sense. Like, it just felt a bit, like you say, just contrived and, and kind of unnecessary. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, I, 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 it would make sense if they knocked them to, the two out and then took them somewhere. You know, oh, we got you now in, in a basement locked up or... Or, you know, the darkness is now going to take you 
deeper in or something like that. But no, they just wake up a few hours later. So they basically just yeah. inconvenience them, maybe? There's not even some sort of mild amnesia or anything like that. Just, oh, okay, they just had a bit of a nap and... Yeah. I guess they could use a nap. Who knows? But yeah. it was so... Like, I just... I, I don't know... I don't know if that struck me the first time I played this game or not. But I was just like, that's so fucking weird. Why would they do that? Why would they just knock a person out and then just let them wake up in the exact same spot that they were like, in? Like, missing a page of that manuscript, hey? Maybe they're playing that game with us. Yeah. Like... M- too meta for its own good. So, yeah. Uh, when he wakes up, he then leaves the um, the trailer, and he runs back into the landlord, who's now saying, I knew you did something to her, and now the cops are here. Not only are the cops here, but also the FBI is here. And Agent Nightingale is possibly... My days. I, I feel like... This guy is the, the, is the, you know, incoincidentally the funniest person in this entire story. <laughs> he is Mr. FBI, isn't he? Like, holy crap. He's just, <laughs> he's, he's full on. <laughs> he, he is like such a cliche character. And on top of that, he calls Alan Wake every other author known to man. That kind of made me laugh. I quite like that, if okay. I'm being honest. And he was, like, coming up with, like, you know... First hey, he's Stephen. Like, yeah. What are you doing, Stephen King? Or, hey, come back here, you know, H.P. Lovecraft. He said H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, that takes a lot of syllables to <laughs> That's say. That's niche as well. Like, I, I really liked Agent Nightingale just for how... Like, Agent Nightingale struck me as, like, this total local try-hard cop, right, who is like way above his station but he's an actual fbi agent it's that's why it's funny to me like he acts like he's just like the sheriff of some small town who thinks he's like a real big deal the king yeah yeah but as an fbi agent it's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) it it doesn't fit you know what i mean it's kind of like how i was saying last um last episode about barry was not who I expected him to be uh-huh. as like some kind of hotshot agent of like a superstar author and here comes Barry and he's like this kind of chubby wacky like he's New like Yorker but not he's not a idiot. slick but yeah like this Nightingale does not kind of convey to me the stereotype of the FBI which is like these kind of mysterious dark suited X-file type agents does that make sense yeah. like <laughs> it's just quite funny he reminds me of if you've ever played um Heavy Rain, which I think yes. you have. Uh the detective that's working with uh Nam and Jaden, uh the guy who's like I can't remember what his name is. Uh Detective Blair is his name. And how he's always egging on uh Norman Jaden throughout the entire thing. He reminds me of Norman Jaden. Yeah. Or not Norman J, but as Detective Blair, and that, that, I kept going back to that. This to guy which, has no off switch, does no. he? It's just <laughs> he, he's always gung ho and ready to pull the trigger, which he does right here. Because uh, Alan's like, "Okay, I gotta get the fuck out of here," and he starts running, and Nightingale just starts <laughs> shooting at him. No fucks given. And then, like, the like, landlord's still standing there, and he's like trying to get out of the way, and he's like, "Dude, I'm standing right here." Yeah, he's like, "What are you, a fucking idiot?" <laughs> he's like, I'm standing right here. <laughs> and so a, a police chase ensues through the woods. Um, and during this time, we're also getting attacked by the uh, darkness. Unfortunately, we do not have anything to defend ourselves. Oh. With. Yeah, this bit was so tedious. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Later on, though, in that part, we get the best weapon in the game, which is the flashbang grenades. Love those. Those are so fucking good. (laughs) But Uh, until we get those, it is a real chore. It's the first time I've played, like, that that I'd reached the point where I was kind of like, okay, I'm kind of done with this mechanic now, and it's just really fucking irritating me. Here's the problem with Alan Wake and one of the reasons why it was it was still well received but it was also some of the scores were kind of lackluster is because that mechanic is throughout this entire game and it never changes. You always have to light a person on fire or light light a person with, you know, with a flashlight and then shoot them 
it never changes. That's the that is what you're going to be doing throughout the rest of this game. And it does yeah. get tedious and lackluster after yeah. a while. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and I don't even mind so much the kind of crowd control aspect of it. Like, you know, when you you have a few different weapons to play with, right? And there's a little bit of kind of ammo conservation and and I guess a little bit of strategizing about how you want to take people out and that kind of stuff. But the whole bit in this episode and in episode four where, where you don't have the weapons right, but you're just kind of having to use your flashlight on possessed objects. Just, That's annoying. It it just really annoyed me because it didn't feel at all like I was trying to stretch it. It just felt like lucky when I cleared each particular area. Yeah. Like especially I think I can't I think it was episode four actually where there's the bridge bit. Oh, just really got on my nerves. Yeah. Really badly. The best thing to do in that in those situations where you have the possessed objects trying to hit you is to just put like some type of object in, yeah. in between you and it. For sure. Yeah. It it was just but it wasn't even just like one if it was one segment, I would be kinda of like, okay, that was annoying but fine. But I felt like those um those kind of set pieces dominated these this episode episode three in particular like it was it was just weighted far too much yeah with kind of just going through the woods and going through different areas and having these objects fight you and you're just like i get it i get it enough <laughs> right so we since it's now nighttime we have we're on a deadline we're trying to make it to the uh the kidnapper uh before the time is is up uh and we're supposed to meet him at a uh what were we supposed to meet him at i can't remember was like it, the coal mine or something the coal mine yeah 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 uh yeah that's what it was uh and so we 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 eventually no 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 we do we have a whole day or no it's supposed to be noon the next day mm. and this is like late at night so um we have to make it to the coal mine. And I mean, throughout this whole thing, we're kind of not, uh, we're definitely not armed at all. We eventually get some flashbang grenades, which is an instant kill on any enemy. And if you get a bunch of them grouped up together, it can definitely take them out. It's kind of fun watching them kind of disintegrate. I enjoyed yeah. the flashbangs. Yeah, the flashbangs are great. Uh, we still get some flares and stuff like that, but I don't think we actually get a gun the entire time. Maybe no. at the very end. And that was partly annoying as well because there aren't just objects in this episode, right? There are also taken. And so running out of either a flare or flashbangs or running out of batteries or trying to get through like an air. I reached like the end point where for some reason I didn't have anything. I think I had one flare left and like a battery left or something. And it took me a few goes because there were just, I just couldn't get out of the way. Yeah. That's just like ah, oh, and you couldn't go back to that, and I was just like, no, this is just annoying me. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it it was it was actually kind of rough going, but uh, and the thing is, is the taken you can't outrun them. Like even if like you, you get that those little scenes where the taken are revealed, yeah. and everything kind of slows down, and you see where they are, and they're like way behind you, and I just start sprinting, and they're right on my ass. I'm like, how the hell? Yeah. They, they, can they teleport? And I don't you know. know. Those guys throwing the projectiles like clonk you with a couple of those or or like you say some guy just like runs up right behind you and spots you in the back of the head yeah and then there's one of those enemies does like the one-two punch and then uh no <laughs> yeah it was annoying <laughs> yeah really annoying but yeah we eventually make it to the uh to the coal mine or technically not the coal mine where we'll go into the coal mine but that's afterwards. We're supposed to meet him at the museum at the coal mine because it's not a functioning coal mine anymore. It's kind of like a museum now. Uh, and we get there and he never shows up. We wait at noon. He's not there and we wait all the way until it's dark. And he's like, he never came. So we finally get a phone call from him and he changes the location once again. And this guy kind of comes off as like the FBI agent a little bit. Where he's like, uh, he's like, I changed my mind. We're going here now. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is the third time you've changed your mind, dude. I mean, like, Alan's kind of like, you know, look, I really want to find my wife, but you're kind of getting on my last nerve now. Yeah. So make your, make, make your mind up. <laughs> so now he wants us to meet him. Uh, crap. It's, it's the mountain, uh, that's overlooking. Mirror Peak. Uh, yeah. That's overlooking Cauldron Lake. Yeah. 
that's a trek and a half. That took like half the episode to do. Yeah, this episode felt longer yeah. than the previous two. And I think part of it was like it just felt like a bit of a grind through these areas. It was not well paced, yeah. I don't think. Compared to the, the previous two. Yeah. But uh I remember was this the part where you you get chased? No, uh, there's a part where you get chased by some Taken, and there's also the the uh, bear traps laying all over the place. Oh yeah, but I think that's episode four. You did. We did meet them. Did you meet the radio station guy? Yes, yes. He. I enjoyed him. I've been. I was. I made more of an effort in this episode to listen to some of the kind of stand by the radios and listen. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of cool. Like in in I think the first episode, I, I I kind of listened for a second and then went off. But in this episode, I made a point of listening to the. So it's like a phone in show, right? So it's this guy, this host, he's hosting the radio, and the callers they have some funny stories. That's that's really fun. I really like the television show uh, Night yeah. Springs. That's uh, it's kind of like uh, old school Twilight Zone, um, and they're all. It's bad because you have to watch them on this very small TV, but they are actually filmed by real people. And even whenever you see Alan Wake on the TV talking yep. to himself, that's a it's real creepy. person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you ever play the sequel to this, which is American Nightmare, um, well, I don't want to. Alan Wake has more television stuff. The villain is a doppelganger of himself. Really? <laughs> named named Mr. Scratch. And Mr. Scratch is great. Because he's constantly talking to him through a TV. And it's really, really cool. And uh, to me, I feel like American Nightmare is... is Personally, I think it's better than Alan Wake. Uh, because it, and it's... Is, go ahead. Is it, like, is it a sequel or is it like a DLC or... It is a standalone... Uh, yep. small game. It was a downloadable game. I think it was only $20 when it came out. Um, and it's probably around maybe f- four hours. Oh. Um, and it's like it's a little standalone thing. And I wouldn't call it a sequel per se. I'm pretty sure it does take place after the events of Alan Wake. But it's kind of like one of those, it's in the same universe as Alan Wake gotcha. kind of thing. But you do play gotcha. as Alan Wake. Um... But I, I really like it. Um, so yeah, uh, we have to go to Mirror Peak. Not, I mean, we do run into the, um, that, that's, that, when we make it to Mirror Peak, that's whenever we, we run into, uh, the, the radio DJ. Um, and then we're surrounded by cops again. And we have to run away again. Um, I'm surprised Nightingale just didn't open fire on the radio station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hitting, Calling hitting. an airstrike or something? Yeah, I know, and, and killing the DJ. But, uh, nah, he didn't. We ran away from that. Oh, the DJ throws some shade at the Nightingale guy right, as well, right? I remember that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he, <laughs> he does it over the radio, too. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody hears it. But uh, <laughs> that's actually like really good. public shaming. I enjoyed that. Oh yeah, the whole that whole part of this episode really tickled me. It was it was kind of it was funny, but it and even though it was really cheesy, and I'm not necessarily like, and that kind of goes against the tone of this the the game, right? Like this whole cheesy element, but it works so well. Yeah, it's, it's genuinely funny. Bit of lighthearted relief. Uh, but yeah, we eventually make it to uh. Mirror's Peak, where we're supposed to meet up with uh, the the kidnapper, and uh, the kidnapper is talking to himself, and he's saying that we've made a mistake. We don't know where his wife is. She could have drowned for all we know. We don't know if he's got what we need. And then, as Alan is approaching him, he gets pulled in by the darkness and comes up, goes over the cliff into Cauldron Lake. And then it pulls Alan in as well. But Alan pulls out a flare just in time to where he just falls into the lake. And if you are reading the manuscript pages, 
you know that was going to happen. Yes. Um, and I still think that's one of the coolest aspects yeah. of this game is getting the manuscript pages and it's basically foreshadowing what's going to happen later on. Uh, and that's the end of episode three. Uh, we're left with kind of like a cliffhanger of what's going to happen to Alan. He just fell into the lake from a high distance and that's it. Um, before we get into episode four, I need to mention a couple of things. The first thing is, is that throughout this entire game and up like even some to this point, we have been hearing and reading about a man named Thomas Zane. And Thomas Zane was a man who was a writer and a poet, uh, back in the seventies who disappeared one day. Uh, and he used to have a, uh, cabin that was located on the island in Cauldron Lake, the same cabin that Alan is staying at or was staying at before it disappeared back in the seventies. And we're going to learn a little bit later on in episode four, what exactly Thomas Zane has to do with this story. Uh, on top of that, we're also going to learn who the woman in black is, the, the funeral woman, and she is related to Thomas Zane. I think we should just go ahead and say it because it's said, it's kind of said nonchalantly and in passing about who this, I, I have an issue with the big reveal at the end of this yeah. episode. So, um, episode four begins and Alan wakes up. It's a couple of days later, and he has found himself in a mental institution uh, in Bright Falls. Uh, and it is ran by this doctor who is taking him around the facility. And uh, he said that he's been here for months and months, and he needs to come with ter to terms with the fact that his wife died months ago and he kind of lost his mind and he's been here ever since. Yeah. I really, I really liked this whole opening like compared to episode three because yeah. it felt, it felt like, um, like the setup from episode one and two, as in, you know, that kind of whole theme of, what what is actually real what's up to you know the, the player to interpret and you know what's the the true narrative in that sense like it, it, it it's that thing again at the start of an episode where you think you kind of know where you're going again and then all of a sudden it's a bit destabilizing like i guess yeah it's a bit sort of it's a bit of a cliche plot device to say oh look Alan, it's the, you know, you're on the drugs again. None of this is real. This, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's been a used kind of trope, I guess. Yeah. The, the insanity trope. But it, it fits this narrative really well, right? Because for the past three episodes, there has been that question of, is, is Alan a stable person? Is he having a breakdown? Like he questions himself, the reality around him and and the truth of of what's unfolding and what he's saying um so i think it kind of worked and i i liked the the kind of the, the people that you interact with in this segment of the episodes um it was a nice throwback to the first episode and i think that you know i'm talking about the um the two guys in episode one where you they ask you to turn the jukebox on yeah the old uh metalheads Right, and they're in this hospital, right? And you kind of think that was a nice callback because I think I think it plays to that that whole thing about well, it would be that explains why Alan met them in episode one. If he's crazy and he's hallucinating and he's having these kind of these these episodes of literally episodes of fantasy, then it makes sense that he's just kind of taken these people from his reality and they appear in yeah. his fantasy as, as characters, I guess. Right. It's the Dorothy wizard of Oz thing where yeah. and you and were I, there and you were there. I thought that was a really, really nice touch. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, we, we take a tour of the facility. Um, the doctor himself says like, look, we, you are mentally unstable. 
your wife has died a long time ago and you can't cope with it, but we're here to help you cope with it and you need to come to terms with reality. And during this entire exchange uh, and walking around the facility, uh, Alan is doing his inner monologue of, I need to, he's trying to mess with my head. I need to stay focused and not believe what he's saying because he says he can can feel it grabbing him. And there is that doubt, right? Because he, Alan's monologue reacts, you know, he, he says the things that you would expect him to say, right? Like you would expect him to resist this kind of imposition of, of what is real and what isn't upon him. But even the doctor, he gets in the elevator with the doctor and he's like, I've learned from past experiences with you, Alan, that I've just got to come right out and explain to you as quickly as I can kind of get you up to speed. Like, you know, it kind of leaves you thinking, oh, you know, this has happened before. Like, is, is, is this just another kind of, I, I thought the whole thing was really well done. Yeah. So, uh, they, the doctor then leaves him and say, okay, here's what you need to do. If you really want to try and help yourself, write, you know, you're a writer. You need to sit down and get your mind off this stuff. Just write, you know, it doesn't matter what you write, anything. And so, um, he decides to, to relax and, and write for a little while. And then bad things start happening. Uh, first thing, the power starts going out in the, uh, in the, the, the institution, I should say. Um, and a storm is coming. All of a sudden, people are starting to fight and, and attack the orderlies and stuff like that. And Alan says, this is my chance to get the hell out of here. So he, he's able to get the keys from a, a nurse that has been knocked the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, by one of the old men, I think. <laughs> and, um, he goes, uh, to the, the main doctor's, uh, office. When he gets there, he finds all those pages of the manuscript sitting on his desk. And he's like, I fucking knew it. This doctor has been lying to me this whole time. He has <laughs> stolen all of these manuscript pages. He's in with the darkness. D- doesn't that just sound like what a crazy person would say, though? Exactly. <laughs> it's just kind of like, even though I guess, like, by this point, like, playing the game, you kind of know, well, you don't know, I guess, with the reveal, but you kind of think, right, well, obviously this kind of whole institution thing is just another kind of facade, and it's clever, and it's, but it, it'll, you know, the truth will be revealed, et cetera, et cetera. But they keep it, they keep you hanging on just a little bit. Yeah. Like It's also strange because as you're walking, doing your little escape through the, the sanitarium, fucking Barry just shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> and I'm thinking. How convenient. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is, is he crazy? Because why is Barry here? How did he get here? You know, but Barry's like, yeah, I've been looking for you, you know, kind of thing. And, He's like, come on, we gotta get out of here, Al. Also, it's really, Barry is not remotely surprised to find Al in a mental institution, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it's been a couple of days. There right? you are. Yeah. <laughs> I just randomly found you while wandering this mental institution during a storm. But whatever. No, so, but I, I, you know, it's that, I guess that's kind of, it is, uh, it's contrived, but it makes sense because it's it's what would happen if Alan was trying to, you know, impose, I guess, his reality on on the narrative, right? right. So it it makes it almost makes sense that Barry pops up to rescue Alan, right? Because that's, I guess, in Alan's head, the logical thing that would happen. And Barry is his friend, and that his trusted confidant wouldn't question. Yeah. You know, wouldn't question, he wouldn't question it from, cause he's in Alan's perspective, right? So yeah. why would he question the truth? It, it's just kind of like, th- there's just some kind of neat layers, I think, to the way this, this whole thing was presented and written. Well, that when you kind of peel them back, you think, actually, that's, just, that's not, that's not, um, that the, the game developers kind of just cutting corners and stitching stuff together. That's a smart choice. That's also, it comes to play when you get the big reveal as to exactly. what's actually happening. 
Exactly. Um, but you don't know that at this point, yeah, right? Yeah, you have no idea um, why it's so convenient that Barry's there. And you'll find out a little bit later on when we talk about it. So we have to escape the mill institution while the darkness is taking over the place. And it's taking over the furniture and trying to hit you with it and stuff like that. And really fucking annoying shit. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, but it, eventually we, we, we make it outside of the, the building itself. And then we have to escape through the hedge maze. Of course. And... um. Because that's contrived as well. Yeah. Because, I mean, The Shining had it. So. And of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because The Shining had it. That's the reason why. Because King, yep. Uh, so uh, we finally get armed, at least. And we're going through the uh, the hedge maze and we're able to fight stuff, at, at least. Um, there was a part where I don't know what happened, but I had to do it like three times. It was never Barry was trying to unlock the gate for us. Oh, yeah. And we had to uh, yeah. hold off all those guys. That was a classic Destiny with the Taken moment, right? Yeah, Where the Dinklebots just kind of like, hey, I can't I can't open this door. Just hold them off. And you have to... Bit of crowd control. Yeah. That was really annoying. But we eventually made it out of there. Um, we get into a car... And we drive off, but then we wreck. There's there's something that happens, like the darkness hits us or something like that. I can't remember. Um, yeah, well, uh, so I think the, the car gets wrecked, right? And Alan and Barry get separated. Yeah. And Barry's, like, down the cliff, right? And Alan's on top of the cliff. And he's like, Barry, where are you? And he's like, Alan, I'm okay. And they kind of meet up. They have to meet up at a farm, right? There's yeah. a farm in the... And it just so happens that farm is owned by the uh, the two brothers who were in a metal band together, the old men. And uh, we're thinking that if anybody has any answers to this whole thing of what's going on, maybe they do because they talk about it a lot. Or at least that's what I gathered. <laughs> Yeah. At least that's well, what that's what Alan said. Near the, it's near the lake or whatever, so I guess you know. Maybe they have the hist- yeah. Maybe they have the history of the lake. Well, they have a shitload of ammunition and pyrotechnics. Yeah, right. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, oh man. <laughs> we uh, we eventually uh, make it down the cliff and we make it to the farm. Now th- there's a lot of gameplay here, but there's nothing really to talk about. It's just you know. Put a flashlight on a guy, shoot him until he dies, you know, and then move on. There was a part where you get chased by a bunch of taken while there's bear traps laying around. And this is that part where I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking annoying. Oh, you see, that didn't bother me because they all kind of just lit up. So just sort of dodged them. I didn't. Yeah, maybe I just cheesed it accidentally. I don't know. But yeah. I was more annoyed by the, the stage show thing. I- I was too, uh, which I will get into. Uh, so we eventually make it to the farm and there's a stage there with tons of pyrotechnics. Uh, there's uh, like this giant like dragon overlooking the stage that has, when it opens its mouth, there's like a big stage light that comes out. Barry is there and he's basically the DJ for this little session. Uh, and he, uh, he's the light and sound guy. And we have to hold off the Taken for a long time. A set, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so the, he starts playing this music. It's the it's the song of uh, one of the... Uh, I can't remember what the name... Is it Asgard? Was that was the name? Was the, Something the like that, yeah. And uh, because they're all about like Norse mythology, where like they changed their names to like uh, Odin and, and not Thor, it's Tor, T-O-R. And I was like, that's not Thor. Why wouldn't you just call yourself Thor? But, you know. Um, and it's playing like this 80s, like, metal song. Sounds like, like Ronnie James Dio or something. Uh, and, um, while this is going on, taking her, like, storming the stage. And there's just ammo fucking everywhere. But the, the thing that annoyed me most about it was like that the whole bit starts right, but I didn't have time. Like, I, I really, it, 
couldn't get going, uh, it took me a few attempts because you had to change to like this heavy duty flashlight. Yep. But then like it's like hold B to swap and then it takes ages. And by the time you've done that, the enemies are on you and you don't have time to run and get the other ammo. And it was just like it it was annoying. I died once I had probably six once, times yeah, here. Once I had everything I needed, I was good to go. But like every time I restarted, it was just picking up items was was annoying. <laughs> it, it didn't it, work. It very much was. So, um, but yeah, I, in the grand scheme of things, I kind of found it like uh, this is a cool moment, you know. They, they're playing. It was this. stupid as fuck, but it was fun. Yeah, funny. It, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It, you know, it's it goofy, but. It was it was fun, you know. I was like, you know, they're playing this like metal music while these, you know, Taken are coming up on the stage, and you, you're shooting them with a friggin' shotgun, and I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, but after we hold off the Taken, we then eventually make it to the farmhouse, um, and we're looking for possibly clues to uh, to Cauldron Lake. Uh. There was something that they mentioned that they have to do, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I think they had a song. You yes. had to, like, yeah, that was, like, a hidden message. There was a hidden message on a record, and it was saying that you have to, uh, something about the light and the woman. And we're guessing it's that funeral woman. Cynthia, I think, right? Uh, no, it's uh Oh some... no, that's the that's the Jagger is her last name. Barbara. Oh and they got they got smashed on the, the dude's moonshine. Yeah. Which was funny. They uh, yeah. They but they're like, We've got to wait around, what are we gonna do? Let's just get drunk. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's what you do. You got time to waste, well, we can waste it with fun. So uh but yeah, uh, Barbara Jagger is her name. And, um, we don't get the full reveal here as in like what's really going on, but we get a lot of it. So when Alan gets drunk, he has a nightmare or a dream that's basically allowing him to see the events that took place in episode one. Yeah. It was like a memory, right? I think. Yeah. Because like, you you're in it, aren't you? You control the camera. Yeah, you're like an out of body experience. Yeah, watching it, and uh, you watch it unfold as Alan runs back to the house after the lights go out at the cabin. He can't find uh, his wife, and then he sees her fall into the the lake. And the episode ends originally with him jumping into the lake. And then the, ne the next episode begins with him waking up from a car crash. Well, what happens in between there is what we get to see. So he can't find her in the lake, and he fears that she has drowned. And then he is approached by Barbara Jagger, the woman, the funeral woman. And she tells him, well, she may still be alive, and you may have missed her in the cabin. So go go back to the cabin. So he runs back to the cabin. He runs up to where the typewriter is, and she's not there. And she's like, oh, you're such a fool. There's no way she survived that. She's dead. It's just harsh. She's, she's taking him under the influence of the darkness. And she pushes him down to a chair and says, I want you to write. I want you to write my story. And so he begins writing. What she didn't count on was the fact that even though he was taken by the darkness, he still had some of his conscience left. And as he was writing the story, he was able to write in a few things. Uh, the first one being uh, an escape route. He wrote in Thomas Zane because he found that Thomas Zane was originally in the seventies was the, the lover to Barbara Jagger and Thomas Jane or Thomas Jane, Thomas Jane's a fucking actor. Uh, <laughs> uh, Thomas Zane is basically the representative of light in this story. Um, and he writes him into the story 
to help him escape the darkness. And the big reveal is that everything that has happened up to this point is basically of Alan's doing. He is basically playing out his original writing, the departure. That is, is what it's called. So the manuscripts that we've been finding was all of what he wrote. It's not some maleficent being somewhere else yeah. doing this. It's him. So he's able to escape from Cauldron Lakes, whatever, uh, by, by the help of Thomas Zane. Uh, he gets him out through the light and he's still disoriented, but he gets into a car to go find his wife possibly. And then Rex. And that's where we leave off is him waking up, not knowing what had happened for a week. Well, for that whole week, he had wrote the entire manuscript for the departure. And that's the big reveal so far. Uh, we'll learn more about who Thomas Zane is and what he did and what happened with Barbara Jagger. Because Barbara Jagger is obviously the darkness. The big bad. Yeah. Also, why does he have the ability to write something down and it happen? Yeah. We will find out later. Dun, dun, dun. But that's, uh, that's the end of episode four. Oh wait, but doesn't Mr. Nightingale make an appearance right at the, uh, at at the very end? Yes. At the very, at the the very end, he's like, ah, you're not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh good. He caught up with us. I can't wait for the start of episode five. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how many other authors he's going to call us. (laughs) That'll be fun. I think so far he's called us, uh, Stephen King, Hemingway. H.P. Lovecraft. There was one other, but I can't remember what it was. Hemingway. That tickled me. Yeah. That's just... (laughs) All right, Hemingway, get your hands up. (laughs) It's so stupid. It's so dumb. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, we do have an email, actually, this time. Uh, This email comes in from Anthony. It's kind of short and sweet, but he says... uh, Alan Wake Episode 4, The Truth. Well, this episode of Alan Wake, hands down one of the best moments in video games ever, regardless of whether it was out of place, breaks flow, or whatever. The fact that it plays a face-melting original rock song from the guy belting Children of the Elder God out as you fight (laughs) the Taken with pyrotechnics is super memorable and absolutely badass. I can't get over how perfect this scene is. It gives me a feeling... I want in most games, which is just pure joy. Up until this point in Alan Wake, I'm fighting for survival and a little bit stressed. But the moment I get the upper hand, they serenade me kicking ass by shredding on a guitar. Not much to add to the conversation. Just needs to stress how amazing the scene is. I agree. Even though I feel like it's slightly out of place. Yeah, it was a spectacular kind of set play. It it was a bit out of place, but... It's kind of like what we were saying um, a little bit earlier with with kind of like the Nightingale, right? Like it is super cheesy and it kind of doesn't fit with the overall kind of dark tone and more kind of interesting thematic choices the game makes. But it's it's tongue in cheek and it has a sense of humor and it doesn't take itself too seriously, I think. Yeah. Which I think and I think that's cool that they include things like that in because I think otherwise a game like Alan Wake, which is ambitious with the story it's trying to trying to tell probably could have been accused of taking itself a bit too seriously right yeah. so it could have it was, ended it was up fun. being more bland than what it is exactly it, it was just a nice bit of kind of character i i enjoyed it i mean it was frustrating but once i kind of had armed myself i, I was enjoying the fighting off the hordes you know absolutely so um the issue that I have, so I didn't talk about it, and the issue I kind of have with a lot of the story beats in this game, 
is that a their reveals are delivered so nonchalantly and b i feel like they're rushed like the whole big reveal like with the you're having your out of body experience it can it did slightly come off as a bit confusing because i was just like wait what's going on yeah i i agree it felt kind of tacked on and i i think playing episode 3 and 4 together the pacing was not as good as the first two episodes right like episode 3 was too long and too bogged down with 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 the combat and it became a bit frustrating and and episode four was, was felt much shorter and was tighter and it had the, the what I, I found to be like a really good opening with the mental institution. Um and I guess the whole idea of memory at, and kind of truth and stuff, it they they bookend well together, right? Like the opening where you, you kind of think, is Alan actually crazy? And then the end where you have like this this moment of what I, I guess is truth, where the game is saying this is the truth. They're two kind of things that that tie this episode together, but with the middle being a bit convoluted, and yeah, you have this great kind of standalone set piece, but I think you're right; it does undermine the the ending, which is kind of a big moment in the narrative. And as you say, it just you kind of think, well, you've had this big adrenaline rush, and now actually the ending should be the big adrenaline rush, right? Because it's such a big kind of admission of, of where the story's going and it's building to the climax. Yeah. I just, I feel like there were not enough details to really validate anything that I was thinking. I was just like, well, I was like, cause it, it, it does, it feels almost cryptic in some ways. Yeah, I, I kind of like that the game still has an element of you're not quite sure, you're, you're still guessing a little bit. And I think it was kind of clear that the, to me it felt like obviously the manuscripts, I think they were always Alan's pages and there was always a sense of Alan is telling a story, right? Yeah. But as you go through the first four episodes there are several different stories that you're presented with um, about Alan, and it's you're not quite sure which story is the real story. And now you have this key, I guess, that helps you figure out everything that you've experienced in the past four episodes. But like you say, you kind of, you don't realise that's what's being presented to you because of the way, because of how it's been presented. Yeah. I just feel like it, that that big reveal was kind of rushed a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, take your time with this because I want to, like, you know, understand it. And I do understand it. It's just, I was like, man, there was a better way you could have said this. Yeah. You know. But that's just small nitpicks kind of thing. I was like, well, I mean, I get what's going on. but No, I, mean, I, I, I agree with you. It, it was, it was, it, it, it didn't, I, I felt like it was a nice book. It, with hindsight looking at it now i'm thinking and i'm sitting here with with, we're discussing it we're analyzing it right yeah i think oh actually it complements the beginning really well as i sit here and dissect it and talk about it with you but in the moment when i'm playing it i didn't have that feeling right and i and maybe it's like take some time to soak in and you have to digest it and figure out what's going on with the game but at the same time I, i i agree with you yeah that this kind of this suppressed memory this is the key understanding everything that we as the kind of the player the viewer whatever term you want to use have have experienced to date and yeah you kind of think this should be a bit more kind of hey here you go like this is the climax not what's come before yeah so i don't know it's it's just one of those things because it's also the, the key piece of information that you think right well this has helped me figure out everything to date and now this is what i'm thinking is going to be the crucial kind of the turning point um for the, for the last two chapters this has helped me figure out where and it, yeah you, it doesn't it doesn't quite have the significant attached significance excuse me attached to it that perhaps it it should do so i say all that 
to say this. Just wait for that ending. Because the ending to this game... I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I really like the game, and I kind of like how... um, I kind of like how talking about it with you during this podcast is is bringing things into my mind and and things are kind of oh and this happened and and the more i think about it actually i think this is kind of cool how this bit fits with this bit and and something new comes into me into my into my head if that makes sense so i really like that about this game and i i genuinely don't know how it's going to end like i haven't got an expectation at the moment and that, that's kind of a cool feeling, I well, think. So, so let's, let, so Jay does this with our Danganronpa series, if you've ever heard any of them. I know that that's a kind of a niche series, but, uh, he asks how you think this will end. How do you think Alan Wake will end? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Like, I wouldn't want to prejudice it by, by, by guessing, you know? I, I, I genuinely don't have any idea. Okay. And that's kind of cool. And that's cool, I think. Like, I had suspicions about the, the, the pages and the stories and, and how it was all going to kind of piece together and, and what part of Alan Wake was real. But now that they've kind of, I guess, put you on the end of episode four, I guess puts you as a player on a path, right? As in, right, this is what's happened and this is the reason for why Alan is Alan and everything that you've seen you know, has happened. But I, I'm I'm curious to see now how the game pivots and takes us to the end. Yeah. Based on that. Well we'll definitely get to it. Don't worry about that. I hope I'm not gonna be monumentally disappointed. But I don't know what would disappoint me, you know? Yeah. Like, this is that's the th- that's what's cool. Like Well, I'm not gonna spoil anything, so I I don't want to talk into it, but uh I I get the feeling and I would suggest it as well, but I get the feeling when you finish this game, you're going to go look at like an Alan Wake wiki just to be like, okay, what, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it, it is very, it can be confusing. I'll just put it that way. Cause I'll be, I'll be, well, honest, I when yeah. I beat this game, I was confused. I don't mind confusing if it's like, wow, that's, that's intriguing and weird and I didn't see that coming. I, I don't like confusing if I think that makes absolutely no sense um, in the context of what I've played for the past kind of 10 hours. Right. You know, like I don't mind kind of confusing within the sense like I have to sit there and think about what's happened and how it's ended and how that fits with everything and, and kind of figure it out. I, I don't like it when it just is, you know, doesn't fit. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get you. I get what you're saying. I think it fits, but you have to work for it. Yeah, um, I don't know. We'll see. That's, that's the only thing I can say is Ooh. like because I, I don't want to spoil anything, and it's uh, it's very interesting to say the least. Um, and it was definitely it got me thinking because I was like, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I definitely need to think about this because I don't know what what just happened. <laughs> but uh yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll get into that uh the next episode sure. uh speaking of which the next episode we will not have an episode next week next week is thanksgiving we're gonna spend time with family and stuff like that and well, i'm just gonna be at work you're gonna cause... be at work uh doing things so but yeah uh we will finish this up the last week of uh of november um and that that will be the last episode uh, you can follow us all on Twitter if you'd like. It's, I'm at, I'm at DML Fury. Uh, Sophie is at SM Holiday. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, send us some more emails. Anybody out there who wants to talk about Alan Wake yeah. or anything in particular? It doesn't really matter. I guess, yeah. I bet people have opinions on the ending based on what you've said. I so. think so too. Uh, and let's hear those. Let's yeah. hear those. Because I know a lot of people who didn't like the ending, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, the the email is drew at ztgd.com. and uh, that's that's about it. Short and sweet yet again, only about an hour long. That's okay. Um, we get right to the point here on Phoenix Down. 
For sure. Well, it's not the longest game, right? But no, it's not. I mean, it, but the thing is, is like each there's not that many story beats. Well, also, there's not really any other characters other than Alan. Yeah. So it's not like we can sit here and talk about Alan's relationship with whoever or like what happened with character C and character D and yeah, it, it's 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 both narrow and not narrow in that way. Yeah. So that it makes for an easy podcast. I'll put it that way. Uh, but yeah, that's it for us. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening. Anybody out there, American listeners, you guys have a great uh, Thanksgiving. Eat a lot of turkey, a lot of ham. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. Absolutely. And uh, But we will be back in two weeks to finish up uh, Alan Wake. Until then, I am Drew. I'm Sophie. And we're out of here. You guys have a great one. And we'll be back in two weeks with the continuation and conclusion of Alan Wake. There's an old town road with mystery atop the poet and his muse And a magic lake which gave a light to the words the poet used Now the muse she was his happiness and he reigned about her grace And told the stories of treasures deep beneath the blackened waves Of wonder and still in its misty crown The news she went down to the lake And in the waves she drowned And now to see your love set free You will need the witch's cabin key Find the lady of a light gone mad with the night That's how you reshape destiny Lost and too soon the night would fall And only his own echo would wail back as his call And when he swore to bring back his love by stories he'd create Nightmares shifted in their sleep in the darkness of the lake And now to see a love set free you will need the witch's cabin key Find the lady of the light Still raving in the night That's how you reshape destiny In the dead of night she came to him With darkness in her eyes We're in a morning guys Sweet words as hard as skies in without a word for he saw his great mistake And vowed them both to silence deep beneath the lake Now if it's real or just a dream One mystery remains For it is said on moonless nights They may still haunt this place That's how you reshape destiny